and welcome to episode 66 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles, California. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Washington, D.C. is Ben Olson. Ben, how you doing? Doing great. Um, I'm coming to you live from my bed right now because I moved all my stuff from my apartment in San Francisco, got here yesterday to my uh, place in LA and I've got boxes and boxes all over the place, including I can't get access to my desk right now. So I um, have set up a little workstation here in <laughs> in bed <laughs> and yeah. uh, hope I sound all right. Hope it, hope it works out. So is your mic on your lap? <laughs> no, I'm I'm laying on my stomach actually. For people who want to picture this at home, um, I don't know why <laughs> you exactly want to. what we want. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to imagine this mic is big, so I no, mean... I've I've just got everything all sitting on my bed. It probably actually is going to be really good for the sound because it won't be echoey too much because it's you know the bed will like absorb all of the extra echoes and stuff. Yeah, so maybe this will be my new recording studio. It'll be awesome. I'll be like Hugh Hefner style <laughs> doing the podcast. <laughs> That's exactly the image we wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, wait, are you moving out of your San Francisco apartment or are you going to keep that place? No, nope, I'm going nomad. I'm When I go to San Francisco to teach my classes, which are all going to be on weekends, um, I will just, you know, crash with friends or stay in a hotel or stay with my family out in the Central Valley or whatever. But yep. uh, no, keeping the apartment in, in uh, San Francisco didn't make any sense. It was I was just hardly ever there. I'm in L.A. all the time now. So, um, nope. Moved into a little slightly bigger quarters in LA and um, yeah, ready to go. Moving forward. Cool. Yeah. On today's show, we are going to read a letter from a longtime listener and student, semi frantic, uh, about his horror story that he had on the June LSAT and give him a little bit of advice on where to go from here. And we are also going to dive into section three of the June 2007 logical reasoning. So I think we'll probably have time today to do at least a couple logical reasoning questions. Awesome. Yeah. Anything uh, you want to add to that, Ben? Any uh, news updates or anything? Uh, no. I probably should have thought about that beforehand to think of something cool. But <laughs> I am listening to a new book now. It's called Chaos Monkeys, I think. Um, it's by a former Wall Street quant. So that's someone who works in the computer side of Wall Street and then ended up going to Silicon Valley and ultimately ended up working for Facebook. It's by Antonio Martinez. It's hilarious. He's a very funny writer and can't stop relating thing whatever he's talking about to something else so he talked about the birth of this child and how it was being wrapped in a tortilla and so now he was holding the burrito baby and <laughs> it's just like the whole thing is non-stop but it's it's pretty subtle and smart uh humor so chaos monkeys you said yeah chaos monkeys which i think has something to do he hasn't talked about that yet but i think that has to do with um uh how they test software right that you're developing they just try to break it i think that may have something to do with that That's yeah well and the and code monkeys is just like a kind of a term for programmers to begin with okay so my mm -hmm. guess is chaos monkeys is a kind of a play on code monkeys 
Yeah. Cool. I I um just finished a book, so maybe I should go. I gotta get something going. I should go pick that up. I I just finished a book that was I thought was really good. I don't know if you would like it, Ben, because it's got a little too much like video game pop culture references in it. It's not quite um edifying enough for for, <laughs> for you. I don't think all all I listen to is edifying. Stuff, yeah, right? I know you're Mister Nonfiction, always improving yourself. So I read this book called Ready Player One, which is a it's like Willy Wonka on the cover. It says Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. So it's fiction, um, but it's about a kind of post-apocalyptic future where there's this giant video game contest thing that's going on and people are all around the world are kind of in virtual reality trying to win this giant video game and it references all the classic video games going all the way back to like games of my childhood on Atari and Commodore 64 and all that kind of stuff wow yeah okay so it's really neat it's just kind of I mean it's uh brain candy kind of thing you know it's not uh not challenging or anything like that but um as we've said many times on the show you know if you want to become a better reader one of the things you can do is just read a lot and that book for me was a page turner so even if it's not the most difficult uh challenging edifying kind of thing at least i'm using that muscle right at least i'm picking up the book instead of turning on the TV. Sure. Yeah. And um, we've talked about it a lot that like you, you don't necessarily need to be doing the, the most um, fancy highfalutin kind of reading in order to be exercising that muscle. Mm-hmm. So I had, a, I, I noticed the other day, someone was a student was asking me to like, for my opinion on a Princeton review class that she was thinking about taking down in orange County. Okay. And, um, I, it comes with a subscription to The Economist. What? <laughs> Unless I'm making it, I, I don't think I'm making it up because I, I clicked the link so because she wanted me to like check out the class that she was thinking about, te- about taking. Huh. And um, yeah, I, it, it's, uh, it, oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. It wasn't Princeton Review. It wasn't Princeton Review. It was an app. Remember on the last show we were talking. Oh, this is also this is all from Rachel. She was she. So she named the app. That remember we were talking about what yeah. is this app? Yeah. Okay. So I have the name of that app if I can find it. I think it was called LSAT Max. Oh, I think I've seen that before. Yeah. I hope I'm not mixing up all of my stories. I mean, I obviously clearly am already because it, well, it's already you've already shamed a Princeton review. No one's going to remember <laughs> that it wasn't them, well, but they're just no. going <laughs> to. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't Princeton review. I think it's. I, I want to say I think it's LSAT Max, and it, apparently the way that app works is that you it's like a, one of these like freemium kind of deals. Like you get some stuff for free, and then they start charging you. Okay, mm-hmm. but if you do the whole thing. I think it comes out to, I believe that she was saying it comes out to a thousand dollars or something like that, which is, you know, what, that's what my online class costs and that's what your online class costs. But that one I think is the one that comes with a subscription to the economist. And she said it comes with a subscription to the economist because that's supposed to make you better at LSAT reading comprehension. Hmm. And you know, my, of course, like we've said a million times, um, that's only going to make you better at LSAT reading comprehension. If you actually read that shit. 
Yeah. And I mean, I've had The Economist before and I'm just not capable of reading it. I just don't get boring. I, I just don't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I cannot do it. So, um, you know, if it works for you, then by all means, that's awesome. But if you think that, you know, your route to getting better at the LSAT reading comprehension is The Economist, I would suggest Ready Player One or Chaos Monkeys or any other thing that keeps you reading instead of some super dry um, serious magazine. Well, yeah, the thing is, is if you are going to actually, uh, punish yourself in that way, <laughs> yeah. then you might as well go get old reading comp passages. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that's, that's going to be the most effective thing anyway. And so, right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. If, if you're trying to improve your LSAT reading comprehension, you should be working on LSAT reading comprehension because there are so many, there are so many of those passages out there. Two hundred and eighty something, right? Like mm -hmm. 70, 78 prep tests worth. So there's an infinite um, of these old passages, yeah. And and then you get the full question set, so you can read the passage and do the questions and review the questions. Mm -hmm. That's obviously better than just reading some random stuff. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good point, Ben. <laughs> and then as a secondary way of improving your reading comprehension, you should be reading something more entertaining than The Economist. Well, I definitely think that's a good idea. I mean, if you're uh, so many people just watch movies or whatever. And if a book is is going to entice you, then spend your time doing that. Like yeah. you said. Yeah, I mean, I we all know this, but it it bears repeating even though TV and movies and stuff are really good these days, you're still making yourself dumber every time you turn on the TV. <laughs> you are. Yeah. You are. You're making yourself a passive recipient of these shows. And yeah, I know Game of Thrones. It's super compelling. It's awesome. You know, violence and sex and it's great entertainment and they're great stories. And yeah, I get it. But you're not doing anything for yourself. You know, you're 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 entertaining yourself, you're, you're burning time and you're not making progress toward your goals. So if you're wondering why your LSAT score is not improving, but you're fully caught up on 10 of these different shows, well, that's the choice you've, you've made. Mm -hmm. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's the choice you've made. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to make, if you want to make some progress, you can change those choices. You know, I mean, you and you and I both, Ben, work with like hundreds of students who are so earnest and so hardworking. And a lot of those kids don't know jack shit about Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they have improved their LSAT by 20 points because they've been studying every day for four months. Yeah. So anyway, not to, you know, I'm not I'm not judging. I'm just saying <laughs> there's there's things you can do if you want to improve. Yeah. There is more time in the day than I think we, we realize. And it's not that every minute should be spent doing LSAT, but it is surprising to me how much time I'm unconsciously just sort of, you know, piddling away doing stuff that yeah. if I had thought about it, I was like, eh, I don't know, you know, that's kind of a waste. Since you can make so much progress in as little as an hour, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we're not saying you're never going to watch Netflix again, but... All we're saying is, you know, carve out that hour a day and make it your priority. And once you've done your hour a day, just like the gym, you know, you got your hour a day for 
your physical body, you've got your hour a day for your LSAT stuff. Uh, you got 22 hours in the day left. Yeah, just do it early, as early as you can. If that means after work, then fine. Go home, eat, and then do it. And then once it's done, you still have like four hours till you have to go to sleep. If you can do it before work, even better. If you can do it even at better. lunch or yeah. something, that's great. If you can listen to the podcast while you're at work, <laughs> that's always excellent. <laughs> yeah, you know, get it get it out of the way, and, and then you can um, veg out for three hours still watching Netflix. It is amazing how much time people kill, you know, like little... Um, all these little apps and stuff on, on people's phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things are professionally designed to just keep you on them for as long as possible. Yeah. Facebook's like that. All the dating apps are like that. All these little uh, free to play uh, little video games are like that, you know, Candy mm-hmm. Crush and whatever else. And you just see people for, you know, they're burning up like, they're sitting on the couch and they're just burning up hours and hours and hours with these little apps. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's fine. I don't care how you do your entertainment time. Everybody needs downtime and relaxation, but hopefully you have uh, eaten your vegetables before (laughs) diving into the dessert part. Yeah. I, one thing I did uh, about a week ago was I gave my phone to my wife and there's, I have an iPhone. So you have like restrictions and I, she went into the restrictions and set a password, so I don't know what it is. And she turned off all like websites except for Google, and and then turned off uh, uh, email, so I don't get email on my phone, and I don't get any websites except for like Google and a few others. So I can search for stuff, which is actually pretty helpful because I can get information, but then I can't like click into the website and just end up like going and going and going. You know, news articles or whatever that. It's just like total time sink. And it's it's uh, surprisingly uh, freeing, you know, because it's like I can't really do anything on my phone. And so then I just use it for Google Maps or whatever. I know I have kind of a boring life anyway, but um, it becomes so much easier to just be like, oh, well, hmm, I guess I'll start working on this thing that I wanted to work on as opposed to just like yeah. getting sucked into all this stuff. So you're a superior human. Is what you're saying? Well, (laughs) no, I mean, precisely because I'm not is why I was like, here, you got to set a password. Because if it's restricted by me, I'll just be like, eh. Hit the password, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, let's, I want to see what happened at the convention or whatever. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, I look at Twitter all the time just to like kind of see what's up. But what's up is just a bunch of bullshit. It's just, it's a bunch of dumb little feuds and people commenting who don't know what they're talking about speculation news stories that don't really matter Mm -hmm. you know oh boy some more people died um yeah you're it's a good point i mean it's like you think you're keeping up with whatever but all you're really doing is just burning time and not working on the things that you should be working on yeah i like check baseball scores and stuff it's like i don't really care that much but Next thing you know, I'm like looking at the box score and then I'm like, oh, yeah, huh, boy, Adrian Gonzalez. I wonder how he's, oh, you know, like looking at his career stats and stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Who, who, who gives a shit? What, yeah. what possible bearing does that have on anything? And yeah, I mean, I'm busy enough. Like I've got a whole big list of projects that I, I have, I thought I wanted to work on, mm-hmm. but, but then it's so easy to just go for that quick fix of like some other any distraction 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. Wow. The password thing seems like a extreme measure, but if that's what it takes, I mean, that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I figured that I must be addicted to email on my phone too, because for the first like day or two, I'd keep opening it and then be like, Oh <laughs> yeah, I can't, like I can't check it, but it was like just a reflex. You know, you're standing there and someone's talking, and after they talk for three minutes, and you've decided that you're not interested in what they're saying anymore, which is not really socially cool. But I, you, you pull out your phone and you're like, mm, and you have this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, maybe you've never done that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like checking my email, which is just this like addiction. So, yeah, wow. it's been it's been good. Wow. How long has that experiment been going? About a week. Wow. Okay. Well, I can't wait to talk to you in another couple of weeks and, and see how that's going because that that does seem awesome. I mean, I, you know, me as a, well, you're the same as a business owner, I feel like I want to be really responsive to people. So I want to check my email as much as possible. Like I like to respond quickly to people, mm-hmm. but if, you know, those things aren't that time sensitive and if I'm just if all I'm doing is like being subject to the whims of whatever comes into my inbox, or if I'm frantically refreshing my inbox, like waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Maybe that's not the best. And I should just be going and making other things happen instead. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, should we move on with our agenda for the day? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Great. So I have this email from Mike. Mike is a, longtime listener of the podcast and he has been in touch with us in the past and he took a, a boot camp uh, crash course that I did here in LA and I did some tutoring with him and he I would say he worked exceptionally hard at the LSAT and then he had a kind of disaster so let me just read his email Nathan and Ben first let me say thank you for the podcast I've gone through every episode twice and have found your chats to be more influential on my test-taking approach than any paid resource. Wow. Yeah, thanks. On the June LSAT, I had a total catastrophe. This was my first attempt, and I felt very prepared having completed 35 full practice tests with an average score of 168 and a goal of 170. I had given it my all and followed a solid routine leading up to the exam, diet, exercise, relaxation, and meditation. Unfortunately, when my head hit the pillow on June 5th, anxiety struck. I've grappled with chronic anxiety and depression for the entirety of my adult life, but this was totally unexpected. I ended up going to the test with zero sleep and a body full of NyQuil, as a last-ditch effort to get a few hours sleep before the late noon June exam. So, um, I got emails from Mike, uh, like, at 2 a.m. on that Sunday night, the day before the test, asking what what he should do, because he had tried to go to bed, he is following his whole routine, he's trying to get some sleep, and he realizes 2 a.m. he can't sleep, So now he's frantically trying to figure out what to do. He was emailing me like, should I withdraw? What should I do? Wow. Of course, it's too late to withdraw at 2 a.m. You can only cancel at that point. 
and I knew how well prepared he was, so I advised him to just, you know, relax and try to get, you know, I, I happened to check my email at 2 a.m., and so I, I fired him back an email like, hey, this is a bummer, but I think you need to probably just get as much rest as you can between now and then. Go, you know, I know you're fully prepared, so go take the test. Well, turns out he couldn't get any sleep and slammed down some NyQuil. <laughs> and, yeah. And then ended up going to take the test. Hmm. So he goes to the test. This is kind of funny. When I got to the test center, I felt a strange sense of calm. I saw everyone panicking over their picture not meeting LSAC requirements, not having a pencil, needing to use the restroom, etc. I thought to myself, this is just a practice run. I'm fine to cancel. And cancel I did. I left at the break. Reading the questions had felt like reading a foreign language. I've studied the LSAT after a couple drinks before, and this particular exam felt like I had just finished a line of shots before opening the test booklet. Hmm. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I mean, that maybe that was the right thing to do if he felt like he wasn't even understanding it. So, yeah, he, he ended up going into the test with zero sleep and with, uh, you know, NyQuil, mm -hmm. which is some serious um, stuff. So he had no idea what he was doing, so he canceled. I mean, it's a bummer. But it doesn't seem like there's anything he could do if he, you know, if the if the words on the page are like swimming around and it looks like you're not even reading English anymore, then obviously you're not getting an awesome score. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it doesn't sound like the cancel decision was that horrible of a decision in this case. All right. I, I have some other things I want to say about Mike because he he's super earnest and I I feel his pain here. I guess I want to talk a little bit about the sleep thing. And I, I want to say that Mike might have been overprepared, um, which I, I don't normally think is even a thing, right? We don't usually, <laughs> we don't usually agree when people say, Oh, I'm overthinking it or I'm over preparing or I'm trying too hard. We usually don't say those are even possible, mm -hmm. but Mike, Mike did some things that were like above and beyond um, what any, I think what, what most people would consider, um, I think he might've become like a little bit unhealthily obsessed with the test. Okay. But for example, listening to every single episode of the thinking LSAT podcast twice, <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered, but it's just like, can, can, can what we have to say possibly be that useful that you need to listen to the entire thing two, two times? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean. 30, I don't know, 35 practice tests, 35 full practice tests. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot. Like, yeah, that's fully prepared. It, yeah. I mean, that is plenty. So that's fine. Um, he did, he did, uh, here's the thing he did. This is not in the email, but he went to the testing center the day before mm -hmm. or the day before or two days before he went to the testing center and got into the room somehow and did a full practice test. Wow. It's just, I don't know. I, I think when you build these things up to be so important, <laughs> when, when it becomes the full focus of your life, like, mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing he did was he uh, took some time off of work. Okay. And, yeah. and was like studying full time. Yeah. And I don't usually advise people do that. 
Well, yeah, my my recommendation against that is that most people who do don't end up actually studying any more than someone who's working, <laughs> oddly enough. Yeah. But, and so it's kind of like a wasted opportunity. And then even when you do, I, yeah. I just feel like you have to see outside the test, you know? You have to see, like, the broader picture of what's going on in the world and mm-hmm. your life. I, I, it's... It's so easy to decide that this is the be all end all like this is going to determine my entire future. And then yeah. I think it can lead to more anxiety in the actual moment. Mhm. Mhm. You know, especially because this was only his fir- his first attempt, like he had three chances at it. Yeah. But he he was like so focused on June 6th that you know he went fully fully balls out on his prep mm-hmm. and then and then ends up having a panic attack because he 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 made it he, he built it up so much yeah and i think because he said he followed a solid routine diet exercise relaxation and meditation i think those are all good things but it's very possible that he had the belief that he had to do those things or else. And so then when he was having trouble sleeping, it became a much bigger deal than it was, which then just feeds that perception, making it even worse. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. Also, if he's if he's seeing his diet, exercise, relaxation, and meditation regime as all part of his broader LSAT prep, Mm-hmm. then now he's like he is allowing the LSAT to consume his entire being mm-hmm. you know he's he's like he's making June 6th even more stressful because he's decided that his whole life is focused on the LSAT yeah you know every moment of my life like all this work I've been putting in oh boy and June 6th now is the is the most important day of my life and I don't think that's how it should feel I think it should feel like you know, I've done a million practice tests. I'm fully prepared. I know what this test is about. My practice test scores are good. I'm happy with where I'm scoring. All I have to do now is go do this again. Mm-hmm. And it it shouldn't be like, this is my one shot. Today is the culmination of my entire preparation process. Yeah. You know what I mean? It should feel like, ah, it's another practice test. Yeah. No big deal. I'm ready for this thing. Oh, what? I didn't get so much sleep last night? Ah, eh, whatever. That happened to me a couple times on a couple of my practice tests. I did fine anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Um, certainly not criticizing Mike for his commitment to the test because it's, it's awesome that people, you know, want to change their lives and else that's a good way to do that. But I don't know. When you build it up so much, you, you end up, I think, maybe compounding some of the anxiety. Yeah, I think... Uh... If you go into the test expecting things to be not perfect, I guess, yeah. or to run into challenges, I think that's that's actually probably a good expectation and that should that should go before too, like the the night before, kind of expect that you probably won't sleep very well and then when you sleep better than you expected things are good rather than 
I have to sleep. I have to get, I've heard people say it too, like I got to get to bed at nine o'clock or I've got to get to bed at 10 o'clock and oh no, it's already 1030 and I'm still like getting stuff ready. That's just hoping for a, a dream. I think you just have to expect it to be kind of a restless night. And then when it's not for most people, they'll be like, oh, this is actually better than I expected. And now things yeah. are going in the right direction as opposed to going in the wrong direction because you ex- you need it to be perfect. Otherwise, it's just going to f- be a bomb. Yeah, you need to like embrace the the randomness, right? Embrace the, the sort of bell curve and and just understand that there's going to be good things and there's going to be bad things and it's going to be just imperfect part mm-hmm. of life instead of this like you've got it's like people building up their wedding day so much you know and then just mm-hmm. turning into a complete insane people yeah um, as the wedding approaches because it's like it, it has to be no you don't understand it has to be perfect this is going to be yeah. a perfect day the best day of my life Where's Uncle Sam? He's not here today. He's not on time. Oh, he's on the highway. You know. It's, yeah. Oh, it's ruined. It's oh, like it's all or nothing kind of, you know, it's either perfect or it's totally fucked. Yeah. And yeah, that seems a bit about what happened here. I wanted to share a tip that I got from a doctor. Uh, you know, uh, Ben, California is a uh, medical marijuana state. And, um, that means that you can go to a licensed physician and you can get a recommendation that will allow you to go to any of California's many dispensaries and legally, at least according to California law, legally buy, uh, marijuana. So you said at least according to California law, because federal law still prohibits it. Is that right? Yeah, it's still a scheduled drug according to federal law. And so the feds, if they wanted to, could come in and shut down the dispensaries. And I don't know, I suppose the feds could prosecute people for, uh, you know, marijuana users. But um, I don't ever worry about that because I don't know that that's ever happened. And in California, I mean, especially in San Francisco, it's like pretty much everyone smokes weed. So it's not like frowned upon by anybody and you don't really worry about prosecutions yeah so anyway uh i have my my card my medical marijuana card and i am purely a recreational user of marijuana i admit that i am taking advantage of our medical marijuana system i think the medical marijuana system is kind of a joke um it's going to be on the ballot this year to just go ahead and legalize marijuana just like uh Many other civilized states have decided to do, uh, including what Colorado, Oregon, Washington. It's just legal there. And they have had like zero problems as a result of this. So are you saying it's a joke because people uh, are just using the it as a front to well, just. Yeah, I don't know anybody who uses it for any legitimate purpose. I know a million people who have their card. I've been at the dispensary a million times and I've looked around the room and sure, some of them are maybe cancer patients and AIDS patients and they need this medicine in order to whatever, like I, fine. I'm not saying it doesn't have a medical use. What I am saying is that the way most people use this is just a way of legally accessing this drug that they want and which is how I use it. So yeah, uh, I, this is a very long story. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm just putting some anonymous tips online right now. Hold on one second. (laughs) Yeah. I'll expect the helicopter to be circling over my building anytime now. <laughs> so uh, check out, but I mean, here's how it's a joke, right? So on the, you, you pick up like the, um, 
uh, SF Bay Guardian or the LA Weekly or any of these other just like, uh, you know, sort of uh, local tabloid newspapers. Yeah. Free weekly newspapers with all the, um, you know, music listings and um, massage services uh, <laughs> listings and all that kind of stuff in there. <laughs> well, now they're like taken over. The back page of these things is like covered with advertisements for um for medical marijuana evaluations uh yeah, yeah and coupons because because legitimate doctors totally use coupons as advertising because <laughs> that's yeah. a thing that doctors i bet do. doctors love this right now the way it is because don't you have to pay like your appointment fee which well, is probably but, covered right by but but i don't care no but i mean i don't think legitimate like practicing physicians actually do write these recommendations because i think they're worried about losing their license because they don't know what's going to happen in the future and who doesn't have pain someone has everyone has pain well okay so here's here's (laughs) how no i mean i yeah so i'm just saying it'd be i mean even if you're a legit doctor it seems like you could have a pretty easy well of of course so and i am going to tie this back to mike's letter so just okay bear with me Sorry. No, it's not you. I'm, I'm, I'm asking, I'm begging for the listener to bear with me. So I, I get the coupon and I go in to get my first, I, I schedule my appointment to go do my first evaluation. And the way these evaluations, what the coupons, you're not going to like a doctor in a doctor's office. You're going to a uh, medical marijuana clinic where there are doctors there. These people have MDs. They are licensed doctors, but they do not practice medicine other than just go to these places and write recommendations. Hmm. That's all they do all day is basically write recommendations for marijuana. Okay. Hmm. And I've been in a couple of them where I'm there for three minutes. Like, especially when I renew the card, you go there for three minutes and it's just like you pay your $40 fee or whatever. You got the coupon rate. You pay $40. The doctor doesn't even hardly look at you and just signs mm-hmm. the thing. And like, there you go. See ya. You walk out of there. So it's yeah. just silly. You know, it's just it's just kind of ridiculous. But yeah, anyway, um, there's just hoops to jump through so that you can have your access to the clinics, which is fine, whatever. So or the dispensaries. Um, but the first time I get the coupon and I make the appointment. And I look at the website of the clinic where I'm going to go get my appointment to go get my uh, my card, my certification, whatever, my recommendation. And on the front page of the website of this clinic, they helpfully list in large font, like the entire front of their website is a list of qualifying conditions. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got number three and number seven. <laughs> like in giant font. A list of qualifying conditions. And of course, pain. And of course, you know, there's a a million like maybe semi-legitimate uses. But the first one on the list is the one I chose. Mm -hmm. The first one on the list is insomnia. Mm. So I chose insomnia as my qualifying condition when I went in to go get my totally bogus uh, recommendation. Mm -hmm. And so you go into the doctor and you say, oh, I have insomnia. Well, of course, they... Only I would know if I have insomnia or not, right? And yeah. so it's like just, of course, you're getting the recommendation. But, of course, the doctor doesn't care. The doctor really is going to give everybody a recommendation, I think. Mm-hmm. In the course of saying I have insomnia, I ended up actually getting one tip or a couple tips for insomnia <laughs> that I thought were actually legit. Okay. Ironically, 
marijuana, if I, I, I don't ever like really, um, I only eat it by the way. I only like do the edibles cause I don't want to smoke really, you know, bad for you. Um, so okay. I do the edibles, but marijuana, it always keeps me awake. It does not put me to sleep. I know it puts some people to sleep, but to me, it makes me awake. It makes me want to like go work on projects and stuff hmm. or play some video game or just like, it makes me want to do things. And so it's ironically, it does not work for insomnia for me, but that's exactly why I have had my medical marijuana card is because of my declared insomnia. Yeah. But the doctor gave me a couple tips. And so I wanted to just share these tips with um, Mike and with any other listeners. One is he, he said, Hey, do you uh, look at your phone? Uh, like in bed, do you have your phone by your bed? And mm-hmm. I said, yeah. And he said, you know, those screens are super, super bright. And have a way of interfering with your body's natural like cycles. And so if you're having trouble sleeping, one thing to do is to maybe just put your phone away um, and read a book or something and not look at your phone when you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah, I've heard that several times. Yeah. It's uh, repressing the melatonin or something like the blue light, I believe. Yes, I don't know exactly the mechanisms, but I do know that it's a thing. And so I would maybe recommend that if you're struggling with insomnia you give that a shot because i think i did notice that when i would put my phone away when i would um when i would especially if you read a book before going to bed instead you know Mm -hmm. put kind of like a soft light and read a book that is a much better way to just sort of wind down than instead you know looking at twitter on your phone um, with that bright screen in your face so there's one tip then the other tip that i got and this is the one that really i wanted to give to mike or people like mike is that the doctor said, you know, um, lack of sleep can cause anxiety about lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. And then that anxiety about lack of sleep can keep you awake. And so <clears throat> one thing to maybe remember is that just lying still and lying peacefully in bed does give the body many of the benefits of sleep, even if you're not actually sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So when you can't sleep, um, rather than get up like Mike did and send frantic emails to his LSAT teacher and slam a bottle of NyQuil and whatever else he was doing, you know, it sounds like he was just kind of in panic mode. And I don't know if he was he could have been like doing LSAT questions for all I know. Rather than all of that, one thing is maybe just keep the lights off and peacefully lay there and just kind of remind yourself that I am getting benefit from this mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if you know even if I'm not actually asleep right now I'm still recharging my my body yeah and <clears throat> I've found because I get insomnia I mean I do I do actually get insomnia sometimes especially if I have to get up early the next day or if I've got something going on like if I have to get up at 5 30 to go play in a golf tournament or something like that Mm-hmm. Those are the nights when I can't sleep and it, it sucks because, you know, like that's when you need it because you, you've mm-hmm. got a quick turnaround and you like feel like you need the sleep. But I have found that it actually works if I just kind of remind myself like, OK, it's fine. You're not sleeping right now, but you can't force yourself to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But if you can just relax and, and just kind of let yourself just lay there in the and be kind of like, OK, well, I'm I'm recharging here. I'm rest. Yeah. I'm resting here. This is good. I'm. I am getting rest, even if I'm not getting sleep. And then the anxiety goes away, and then maybe you actually do end up falling asleep. Yeah, 
Oh, I agree with that 100%. I would add to that. Uh, that's a great tip. I would add to that that um, people check out Calm app, which is on Apple and uh, or iOS or whatever, and uh, Android, and get the body scan meditation, which sounds funny. But basically what that meditation does is it walks you through relaxing every part of your body, which is weird because when you do it, or at least when I do it, you don't realize that you're holding things tense. So when I am need to relax but I don't have enough time to fall asleep or like you're saying having trouble falling asleep, I'll do that and I'll, I'll just like start trying to relax my arms or whatever and you become like more relaxed because you're doing that and it's not something that you need the app for. After you do listen to the medi- guided meditation on the app two or three times, you get the idea. And so then you can just do it on your own. And so if you're lying in bed and having trouble falling asleep, you can just kind of walk yourself through that. And that's relaxing you even more and making it even more likely that you're going to fall asleep. But you can also just keep in the back of your mind that, hey, if I don't, at least I'm really relaxed and I'm getting those benefits that you were just talking about. Yeah, totally. That That is weird, that body scan meditation thing. It totally does work, right? Like, mm-hmm. your left knee right now, what is your left knee doing? And you think about it, and you're like, oh, shit, what am I doing? I'm, like, tense. I'm totally clenching. Yeah. Like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> I just... <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, that's uh, some some tips for uh, for insomnia. I hope that's helpful. The rest of Mike's email. Uh, Since June sixth, I have completed only one full practice test, which I broke up over several days. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine, especially since he's already done thirty five tests and reached you know some scores that he's happy with. It went well, but I just can't seem to get back into the swing of things. I know I need to get back into it with a section a day plus review, but I'm struggling to get over what was honestly a really embarrassing and debilitating experience. I registered for the September exam at a different test center almost immediately following June's exam, but that hasn't been the kick in the butt that I thought it would be. I visited my physician recently, and they prescribed a few things for my anxiety issues. I'm trying to determine how many drastic changes I should make. I recently moved to a new home, and now I'm considering leaving my low-paying job in order to dedicate the next 60 days to just LSAT studying and life management. Wow. Well, you know, I think Mike might have some anxiety issues, as he says here, that are beyond my knowledge or expertise. But I think that what he's saying does overlap with what most people encounter every day. And that is we mess up, we make mistakes, and then we let that mistake sort of haunt us or um, affect our will to move forward. But I think if it's at all helpful for Mike or anyone else, I would just say, look, everyone messes up and it's in the past it's done it's cemented in stone don't worry about it anymore there's nothing you can do about it what you can do now is just look forward i don't know if that's helpful but it feels like he's letting this experience become bigger than it is it's just mistake it's a great learning opportunity um if it was even a mistake i mean he had some anxiety and he probably should have just stayed in bed that's it he sounds like he's trying to make it a big deal and then solve it with a big solution. And 
I don't think it's either of those. Yeah, it sounds to me like he's almost doubling down on the thing that got him in trouble the first time, right? Mm-hmm. He 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 made it overly the focus of his life, and now he's wanting to make drastic changes and make it even more the focus of his life by leaving his job and dedicating the next 60 days to just LSAT studying. You know, he had a bad day because he couldn't get any sleep and he got frantic and he took NyQuil and the, you know, the NyQuil was probably a mistake, but I don't know why this needs to be embarrassing and debilitating. Shit happens. People have bad first attempts. I have plenty of students who had a bad first attempt or a bad second attempt and then knocked it out of part out of the park on their second or third attempt. And again, it's, he, he made it such a high leverage, high, high stress moment. And, I, I think he should keep his job or, you know, get a better job. But if if he was happy with his 168 or almost 170 that he already was able to achieve on those 35 practice tests, then it's not going to take much more than... Uh, do you even think he needs to do a section a day? A section a day would be nice, but one test a week, four sections a week... Yeah, he he's already got this, this is a skills-based test. He as long as he keeps those skills somewhat current, he's not going to lose his abilities. I mean, that's one reason people can't go up overnight and it's the same reason you can't go down overnight. It's Yeah, people just don't tend to go backward or at least not significantly on this test. People also tend to be able to pick it up really pretty quickly. If you take three weeks off coming back, you know, it only is going to take you a couple days to get back up to speed. So mm-hmm. if if you're having a hard time getting going again, I don't think that's really wrong. You've already done the work. That's the point. You've already done 35 practice tests. Listen to all our podcasts two times. God knows what other work you've done. And so I think, you know, maybe just take a deep breath and and keep doing those, you know, a section here or there as you can manage. And just realize that you've still got two more swings at it, September 24th and December 3rd. Mm-hmm. And between one of those two days, I think you're going to be able to get a score that is what you're capable of. Yeah, I mean, I would say, he, he said earlier, right, that he's grappled with chronic anxiety and depression yeah. for the entirety of his adult life. So he may have some other things that are that are harder to deal with than most, but I would say keep your job, use that cash to hire a good therapist, and just talk to them. I don't think they need to do anything extreme, but just talk to them maybe once or twice and just get another perspective, not just ours, but another perspective from someone who is more familiar with these issues. But I think I would imagine that they're going to have similar reactions like, hey, look, this isn't a big deal. This is just something you kind of have to work through. And these drastic changes, I don't think they would recommend doing that. But, you know, I don't know. I'm skeptical of these drugs. You know, if he's never had anxiety prescriptions before, um, Mm -hmm. I'm skeptical and I don't know anything about it, but I do recommend that he... You know, if you're if you're gonna do the anxiety drug thing, you better do it now, and you better do it and practice, right? Like do practice tests while you're medicated, so -hmm. that you can see how you do on that medication. Because I don't know, I think I have some friends that I know that have been, you know, on some anxiety medication, and I think it can kind of 
make people loopy or change your thought process a bit. So whatever he yeah. was doing before was working on his practice tests. So, yeah, I like the talk therapy idea. Um, best of luck to you, Mike. I feel your pain. I think you've got two, two more chances at it. And I think, you know, some, some deep breaths and uh, maybe just don't, don't take it so seriously this time around. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else you want to add to that? No. Okay. Well, then it's time to jump into the June 2007 LSAT. This June 2007 test is freely available. You just Google June 2007 LSAT and it will pop right up. We can also put that in the show notes of our uh, website, thinkinglsat.com. And what we're going to do is talk our way through section uh, section three, number one, maybe number two, depending on which time we have. You can attempt these questions on your own. If you want to pause now, that'd be a good idea. Work your way through the question on your own, and then you can listen to our uh, discussion. Cool. So why don't you read, Ben? Yeah, no problem. This is just, uh, this is hilarious. I, I don't think I've ever seen this question before. Okay. Or if I have, I've forgotten about it. So anyways, it says, situation. Someone living in a cold climate buys a winter coat that is stylish but not warm in order to appear sophisticated. Okay. Uh, have you ever done that, Nathan? Um, no, I have not. I lived in Boston okay. and I bought the warmest shit I possibly could because Boston is freezing and it was miserable so i did not care about stylishness cool then we have a second paragraph that says analysis people are sometimes willing to sacrifice sensual comfort <laughs> or pleasure for the sake of appearances i just i'm surprised they put that on the L set. <laughs> sensual <laughs> yeah yeah um Okay, so <laughs> I guess people are willing to sacrifice this comfort or pleasure for the sake of appearances. And huh. what is this question saying? So, I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. That's my only reaction is sure, I guess so. Sometimes they're willing to do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, if I was going to argue, I might say, you know what? Being stylish might provide central comfort or pleasure. Ooh, good point. But... I don't think that's what they meant. What they meant was you're going to freeze your ass off so that you, you know, for the sake of appearances. Yeah. Um, it looks like the analysis is a broader uh, statement uh, than the situation, mm -hmm. right? They're extrapolating from the situation to this analysis. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, I understand what they're saying. Sure. Okay. So then the question says the analysis provided for the situation above is most appropriate for which one of the following situations? Now that's that's a really unusual question, but um, I would say, hey, all we're trying to do here is find another situation, kind of like this the winter coat situation, that seems to follow the analysis, that seems to uh, illustrate this situation where people are sometimes willing to sacrifice sensual comfort or pleasure for the sake of appearances. Yeah, it's a matching question, essentially. You know, it's a lot yep. like a must-be-true question. All we're doing is going for the best fit. So mm -hmm. one of these answers is going to give us another situation, probably not to do with 
cold and clothes, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. another situation where someone sacrifices comfort uh, for the sake of appearances. Yeah. Like you buy a really uncomfortable car, but it looks cool. (laughs) Yeah. That would be a good answer, right? Or, um, I don't know what else. It's hard not to think of like clothes and stuff. I, I guess a house, like I could imagine furniture, you know, like you buy a, a super, oh. like you buy a couch, like you buy a super sleek looking couch. It's couch. awesome. You sit on it and you can't, it sucks to sit on. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks, but it, it looks awesome though. So you get it. <laughs> and you appear sophisticated. Yeah. Um, by the way, anyone who is listening to the show, yeah, it does appear sophisticated. <laughs> That's <laughs> Good one. <laughs> okay, so uh, answer choice A says a person buys an automobile to commute to work, even though public transportation is quick and reliable. Um, doesn't talk about appearances. Uh, I don't. I don't like this. What do you think? No, I mean, if anything, that's like going for comfort. The automobile might be more comfortable and appear cooler. So yeah. I don't think you're, this is sacrificing comfort for appearances. I don't think so. No. B, a parent buys a car. Oh, but sorry. A parent buys a car seat for a young child because it is more colorful and more comfortable for the child than the other car seats on the market, though no safer. There's no sacrifice in that. That's just, oh, these are all equal safety. I'll pick the one the kid likes the best because it's colorful and comfortable. There's no sacrificing. Mm -mm. Nope. See, a couple buys a particular wine, even though their favorite wine is less expensive and better tasting because they think that it will impress their dinner guests. Ooh. Yeah, that seems perfect to me. They're douching it up by buying the expensive (laughs) wine. They drink Trader Joe's two buck chuck at home. It's their favorite wine. It's less expensive. They love it. But oh no, the Joneses are coming over, so we yeah. gotta go. You know, spend fifty dollars on a bottle of wine just so that you know oh, it's not as good. It's way more expensive and it's not as good. So I'm sacrificing sensual comfort and pleasure <laughs> for the sake of appearances because the Joneses are going to be impressed by this expensive wine. That looks about perfect to me. Yeah. Let's take a look at the others really quick. D, a person sets her thermostat at a low temperature during the winter because she is concerned about the environmental damage caused by using fossil fuels to heat her home. Uh, this sounds like she is sacrificing comfort, comfort, but um, or comfort, uh, but I don't see any appearances issues here. Do you? No. To make that right, you would say a person sets her thermostat at a low temperature during the winter um because jimmy carter's coming over for dinner and she wants to look like a you know she she wants to she wants to impress jimmy carter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right but if she's just no she's genuinely just concerned about the environment here so she's turning down the thermostat there's no appearances there yeah E, an acrobat convinces the circus that employs him to purchase an expensive outfit for him so that he can wear it during his act to impress the audience. No sacrificing there. No. Definitely appearances. Yep. But there's no sacrificing comfort or sensual pleasure. 
sensual comfort or pleasure. There's no sacrificing. I'm yeah. sure that this acrobat's outfit is very sensual and comfortable. <laughs> Aren't they yeah. all? Okay, so let's see. That's the correct answer, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's a fairly straightforward matching question. You just have to understand what lesson they have extrapolated from the situation, and then you have to find a situation that matches that same lesson. Yeah. Cool. Should we do number two? Yeah, I got time. Okay. Do you want to read it? Okay. After replacing his old gas water heater with a new pilotless gas water heater that is rated as highly efficient, Jimmy's gas bills increased. Mm, mm-hmm. Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Dude, do we just jinx mm-hmm. each other there? Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, but that's the that's the correct um we're already halfway there, you know? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. this is going to be an explanation question or a paradox question. Actually, yep, mm-hmm. each of the following, if true, contributes to an explanation of the increase mentioned above, except. So it's actually one of these um, explain, accept questions where there's going to be four answers that will explain the mystery. But mm-hmm. when Ben and I jinxed each other there, what we did was we we both took the necessary first step, which was get curious um, there is a mystery here and mm-hmm. the answer choices are going to be solving or not solving the mystery. And you can't solve the mystery if you don't know what the mystery is. Yeah. But because we were reading this carefully and we were paying attention to what it says and we were just engaging with the material, we were able to um, notice that this seems strange. We, we've got, we replace an old water heater with a new, highly efficient one mm-hmm. we would expect the gas bills to go down yeah but instead they went up yeah so why why is it that jimmy's gas bills are now higher even though he has this new highly efficient water heater would you make any kinds of predictions or or would you just dive into the answer choices or uh i don't know that's a good question sometimes i do i think and sometimes i don't but i definitely do what you just did and that is create a why question why one of the things even though the other like your question is the exact same question that i had in my mind oh that's interesting i never make it formal like that but that does make sense so what you do is why blank even though Mm -hmm. blank and both yes. of those blanks are two things from the argument. Yes. Okay, so why did Jimmy's bill gas bill go up mm-hmm. even though Jimmy got a new highly efficient water heater? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's I think that's really useful. The solution to the paradox has to answer that question in a satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Um and here there's going to be four answer choices that will answer that question in a satisfying way and one that will not. Yeah. One thing I did want to note here, maybe this is kind of going to your prediction thing, is it said that the gas water heater, the new one, is rated as highly efficient. And I think I mean, that may or may not be significant, but sure. uh, something that is rated as highly efficient may be different from something that is highly oh, efficient. So even though it was rated as highly efficient, his bills can still go up if it's not actually efficient. Yeah. And that would be a great prediction for a solution to the paradox. We could come up with a bunch of them. You know, another one would be just something like, well, his water heater 
is only 1% of his gas bill every month. And mm. the other 99% is, you know, he has a, uh, an old uh, gas uh, dryer, laundry dryer. Mm-hmm. And if he does a lot of laundry, that gas dryer is super expensive to run. And so even though the water heater did, the water heater could have saved him money. But if mm-hmm. he did a whole bunch of laundry that month, then yeah. the gas um, dryer, clothes dryer, could have uh, ended up making his bill go up by itself. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about here is that it says that his old gas heater, he replaced it. But it never says that the new one is more efficient. It just says that it is rated as highly ah, efficient. W- so maybe the old one was highly efficient The old one too. could have been even more efficient. This yeah. new one is highly efficient. The old one was super duper efficient. Yeah. Um, the new one could be way bigger. Mm-hmm. Right? So even though it's efficient, it's just heating more water. Yeah. Um, we could go on and on, right? I mean, I think, <laughs> well, there, there are infinite, yeah. I think there are infinite solutions to this. Yeah. Okay. We only need like five hours to do these sections together. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, So, A, let's see. Is this a satisfying explanation? The new water heater uses a smaller percentage of the gas used by Jimmy's household than did the old one. Uh, Um, what? (laughs) That's, that's, that doesn't. That's, that's, not, that's not good. That's bad. My right? prediction is that's the answer because okay. it did not. We both went, huh? Again, rather than, oh, I see. I think yeah. the correct answers here should give you that satisfying solution to the mystery. Like, oh, mm-hmm. right. Okay. That's a good explanation. A is like this new water heater uses less of the gas used by the household. Well, <laughs> That that makes it harder to understand why his bill went up. Yeah, um, I th- I'm going to keep a open because okay. I don't think it explains the paradox. Yeah, B says shortly after the new water heater was installed, Jimmy's uncle came to live with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you moving down yeah. to LA. Didn't you move in with some friends for a while? I did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Doubling the size of the household. Well, yeah, that's an explanation, right? Sure. Uh, now there's more people, there's more water they have to heat, so the gas bill goes so up. So it's like, oh, yeah, you got this new highly efficient gas water heater. Good thing, because Uncle Jimmy takes 90 minute showers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bill can still sure. go up. He's such a jerk. He does too much laundry, too. Yeah. Ironically, he smells bad all the time so for these showers that he's taking and all the laundry he's doing. And that gives us our next paradox question. <laughs> yeah, why does Jimmy's uncle smell so bad? Even though, <laughs> all right, here we go. C says, uh, so I would cross out B, by the way, because that looks like a good explanation. Sure. Okay, C says, after having done his laundry at a laundromat, Jimmy bought and started using a gas dryer when he replaced his water heater. Okay, yeah. He He's using more gas at home. Mm-hmm. So his bill might go up even though he has this new highly efficient water heater. Yeah. That was like one of your predictions, right? Didn't you talk about... Yeah, I did mention a gas dryer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you cheat? I might, have, you at- I might have seen this question before. I've only been teaching LSAT for 10 years, so it's possible yeah. that I have encountered <laughs> this question before. It's in the recess of your mind. <laughs> yeah. um, D... 
Jimmy's utility company raised the rates for gas consumption following installation of the new water heater. What do you think about that? Sounds good. Since it didn't talk about his actual gas, it talked about his gas bills, and that's what went up. So maybe his gas went down, but the rates have gone up and more than compensated for the efficient use of gas. Yeah, totally. Uh, E, unusually cold weather following installation of the new water heater resulted in heavy gas usage. Um, Yeah, sure. Water, uh, the, the weather was really bad. He had to turn the heat on all the time. Uh, so he used more gas. So even though his hot water heater is efficient, this new one is highly efficient. His bill still might go up because he had the heat cranking all the time. Yeah. So B, C, D, and E all look like good explanations of the paradox. So our answer is A. By the way, I do want to say something about paradox or explanation questions. A lot of times people don't like the correct answer. This was an accept question. So right now I'm actually talking about answers B, C, D, and E. They don't like the correct answer when it's explaining what happened because they don't feel like it proves it. And I think that they're looking for way too much. These questions almost always say each of the following if true – contributes to an explanation or helps explain the paradox above. It's not like the correct answer is now going to make the universe make sense. It's just going to be like, oh, okay, I could see that as a possible explanation as to why this is occurring, even if it doesn't provide enough to prove that this is actually what is happening. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe applies not just to explanation questions, but also applies to every other question you know that Mm -hmm. that you're asked to find the best answer so even if you don't love the correct answer it doesn't have to be perfect it just has Mm -hmm. to be better than the other ones right i don't have to outrun the bear i just have to outrun you that is a great analogy thank you thank you very much Very morbid. Okay, yeah, good. Well, I hope. How fast are you, by the way? Probably not nearly as fast as you are. I can't imagine. I drink too much beer to be able to outrun you. I just hope we're going <laughs> to stay away from bears. But no, yeah. I mean, like, because A is the worst. A does. A makes it harder to understand the 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 paradox here. So even if you don't mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. B or C or D or E is a perfect, complete explanation of why his bill went up. Nonetheless, B, C, D, and E at least get you on the right track. And so because yeah. they are better, you know, B, C, D, and E all outrun A here. And so then A mm-hmm. ends up being mm-hmm. the right answer to this accept question. But that's true of the yeah. test generally. I sometimes in class, people are like, like last night I had an example where a turned out to be the right answer. I made my case for A. I'm like, you know what? I think that does it. I think A is going to be the answer. And then I want it, somebody like is objecting to that with like, well, the reason I didn't pick it is, and I, I don't know, I was feeling a little bit feisty, but I was, it's like, you know, I don't care so much why you didn't pick it. I care what you did pick. Because let's go yes, look at this yes. garbage answer that you picked, which has no bearing on, you know, it's just like, I, I'm, I don't know. It's like letting the perfect be the enemy of the good or something. It's like, because this answer is perfect, I'm going to, because it's not perfect, I'm going to eliminate it. And then I'm going to go pick something that's just awful. 
Yeah. I think what people struggle with is sometimes they get answers wrong because of uh, a word or, you know, a word that makes it wrong or too strong or whatever. They get it wrong and then they get it in their mind that that word is too strong and thus is going to make answers wrong. And then when they encounter that word again um, or too weak or whatever, and then they say, oh, this is why this is wrong. And although that may have been wrong in another context, in this particular question, although that's a strong word or a weak word, depending on the question type, it's actually good because all the other answers are worse, like your bear analogy, you know? And so answers, correct answers in one set of answer choices can be correct and wrong in another set of answer choices because someone else ran Oh, yeah, faster. totally. There's a lot of times where it's like, oh, well, this would be an okay answer if it wasn't for this other thing. Or there's mm-hmm. there's situations where it's like, well, you know, this is a pretty terrible answer, actually. But the other ones are even more terrible. And so we're picking yeah. the best of a bad lot. You know, there's there's going to be one credited answer and there's going to be four wrong answers. And so your job is to pick the best one, whether it's perfect or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the, the key takeaway, which you were saying earlier here, is that you have to compare answers. And if you're down to two and you ultimately choose one, make take ownership for that choice. You know, don't just be like, well, A, like you said, A is wrong for this reason, therefore D. It's like, well, well yeah, what about? You've got two chances, you know, you got two chances to, you, you have to make two mistakes to miss a question you have to not pick the right answer and you Mm -hmm. also have to pick a wrong answer so don't get so caught Mm -hmm. up on your perceived imperfection in the credited answer you know apply that same criticism to your answer and i think you'll find that that wrong answer is even worse than the answer you're complaining about yeah Alrighty. what do you think is that uh good for today yeah that's good okay Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can reach me, uh, Nathan, at foxlsat.com or tweet me at nfox. Ben is ben at strategyprep.com. You can tweet him at strategyprep. You can uh, get the whole show at thinkinglsat.com. We'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It helps a lot if you just click that uh, rating button. helps people find us. You can tweet the show at Thinking LSAT. You can also email Ben and uh, me simultaneously if you email help at thinkinglsat.com. We'll be back at you in a couple weeks. And uh, please send in your questions so that we don't have to actually do any work when we prepare the agenda for the show. What else, Ben? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, last thing I wanted to say was uh, several episodes ago, I don't know how long ago it was, we, we talked about getting oh, donations, uh-huh. right? And I think what happens is people get to those episodes and then they donate. Because we have been getting uh, you know, donations here and there, uh, but we haven't ever plugged it again. And I just wanted to point out that the show does cost a decent amount of money to sort of maintain and so forth. And we don't care if we just end up doing it all for free anyway but if anyone out there wants to donate you just go to the website thinkinglsat.com and um, any little bit counts and we'll just uh, 
put it into those yeah, those we costs. Pay, um, so hosting fee for the bandwidth. Um, we also pay our awesome editor Andy for um, going through each show and cleaning up all of our mistakes and also writing the show notes and stuff. So it, it does cost us a, a little bit to run the show. So if you wanted to kick in, you definitely can. But uh, otherwise, yeah, we're going to be here doing this anyway. So yeah, thanks. Uh, m- you know, more than anything else, just thanks for listening. And, you know, if you could spread the word and get your uh, friends and classmates and stuff turned on to the show, that's a big help too. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.